Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin, and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello and welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me. I'm Charles and here with me as usual are Chessie, Danny and Neil. How's your week been guys? You all okay? Yep. Still alright mate. <laughs> good, good. It's been a, Anything interesting like... happened for like the last two days that we've <laughs> <laughs> It's flown uh, by this week. Has it? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, prem, the Prem are back, aren't they? They're back training. That's interesting. Apparently so, yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone barb Troy Deeney, I believe. Yeah, you know, Troy Deeney's proper angry about it. Isn't he? He's not happy, is he? <laughs> he don't need to train, does he? <laughs> is he like Bayer? Just roll him out. Nah. Like Bayer. Yeah. Yeah, he just rolls out. <laughs> the, uh, it's, some stuff's happened, hasn't it? Since, since we last spoke. But there has been a few things, yeah. There's, there's been... The, all the Cobblers fans on Twitter saying that they don't want their season ticket money back. That, She's deserves, very nice of them. that deserves a shout out. Bar one, I think, wasn't there? That does want their money back. <laughs> was there one, was there? I didn't, I didn't notice that. <laughs> we won't name them and shame them. No, we one. won't name and shame There was one. But yeah, there you go. So, to be fair, though, I can understand. Things are tight. Yeah, everyone's in different circumstances. Exactly. They? That's it. But, but it has been pretty good to see. Um, all the fans, hasn't it, saying that they don't want a refund on their tickets. And then today, 
because it is Wednesday, uh, even though you're hearing this in a week's time. Uh, it is uh, all the players and the staff have, have waived their bonuses, haven't they, for reaching the playoffs? Which, yeah, uh, it's commendable. I think yeah, it's pretty good. Although absolutely. I did see one tweet say, is that just because they're being generous or is it because they know they've shit-housed their way to seventh place? <laughs> <laughs> I had this conversation today with a Plymouth fan who obviously is delighted. Uh, and he said, what do you think about the playoffs? I said, well, we're definitely the worst team in it. <laughs> so we'll see how we get on. That's not, it's not fair. Oh, I think true, it's great. But it's, it's not great. fair. <laughs> it's great, but uh, it is true. Who do we think out of the squad would have, if, if one of them, I imagine they've obviously got a, a big WhatsApp group deciding what to do about this bonus situation, who would have been the one that had been, well, hold on. <laughs> That's so unfair, Neil. It was going to be bound to have been one of them. In that case, it was you. No, it, was, it, was, it was your double. Wish it was I Michael Harriman. No, there no, you go. Michael Harriman, no. He's a, he's a lovely guy. I reckon Reese Hall Johnson. It'll be the ones that have played like eight or nine games, will it? Yeah. <laughs> That's what Sean Johnson didn't even know he still played Ju- Judging by the way that every single player always berates him, I reckon it was Sean McWilliams. Every single time. It's been an absolute. I feel quite sorry for him. He's out injured and all of them seem to pick on him. Every single player we've spoken to. Yeah. It's every. Every Q and A on the website as well, isn't it? As they always yeah. ask the question, "Who's got the worst banter?" It's always Sean McWilliams. Yeah. <laughs> we should is. get his. We should get his brother on. Uh, 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 Callum. Cameron. No, Cameron. Cameron. Thanks, Cameron, Jesse. Yeah. Any, any particular reason? No, well, just stick it to him a little bit more. Everyone else is giving it to him, and we'll just get his brother on instead of him. So <laughs> unfair, but fortunate. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Uh, this week, we're joined by a very special guest. No, it's not Ricky Holmes. Sorry. Uh, we're delighted to welcome Joel Byram to the pod. How are you, Joel? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. You all good? Yeah, all good, I think. We're doing all right. It's, uh, well, football's back at the weekend with the Bundesliga. So, Neil's happy. He'll, he got to play golf. So, uh, and the rest of us are all just, you know, still at home. Doing not I'm very working. Much. Oh, all right. Then apart from Chessie, who's a key worker, well done you. Clap, clap, clap on a Thursday night. Well done. <laughs> are you? Uh, are you you're looking forward to getting back to football whenever that is, and in whatever division you're going to be in, Joel? Yeah, it's it's been a long time now without playing any sort of football, and you first two weeks you're all right, and then after that you just start missing it, and you miss you miss seeing all the lads, you miss all the banter, and you just but at the same time you've got to go back when it's safe, really. That's it, isn't it? I mean, obviously, we're talking about last week's pod about the fact that League Two have basically decided, although it's not been ratified yet, that they're going to just end the season. Obviously, that puts us in the playoffs on this PPG way of looking at it. But Stevenage, that's completely the other end of the table, isn't it? I mean, what what are your thoughts personally about it? Because am I right in saying that technically, if the season was to finish this way, Stevenage are the team that would go down? Yeah, I think um, the way the way it's weighted, I think Stevenage will go down. But you, I don't think that takes into like the equation that Macclesfield have lost points. They might lose more points. No one really knows what's happening with them. And we'd only if the season started again now, we'd only be three points behind them with a game in hand and to play them. So we'd be uh, we'd be going back to train if we were going back to training and finishing the season. Then we'd fancy ourselves to get out of it. But as it as the points per game thing looks we we'd end up going down by about six to eight points i think it is yeah it's not particularly good 
point of the season for you guys to have actually stopped, is it? If they could have maybe held off. Or maybe if it had finished in November, because you were all right back in November, weren't they? Morecambe were like rock bottom by God knows how many points at some point before Christmas. And you guys have been fine. Yeah, if they'd have stopped the season before it even started, we'd have been all right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear, is is that because you're playing for them? No, I'm joking. (laughs) Because I'm not playing for them. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what's it actually been like? We'll We'll get on to like your time at Northampton, which is obviously why we wanted to talk to you, really. But Stevenage have been through the mire this season, haven't they? They've had goodness knows how many managers. Yeah, we've including... had, we've had more, more managers than wins this season. <gasps> oh, my life. <laughs> that's not a bad start. That's, that's a good start. I like that. Although, talk, talking of wins, you quite like a quiz I've seen on Twitter. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I've only played about four or five games this season, but I've won loads of quizzes. <laughs> I've turned into a quizzer this year. If you haven't seen it, on, on Stevenage's official Twitter, they do a, is it a weekly thing? They do a yeah, quiz between you all? Yeah, it's brilliant because there's obviously four lads who get on with each other anyway. And we just, it's like every see each other the f- once a week and we just rib into each other, do the quiz. There's one lad who thinks he's going to win every week and he's come last every week. It's good. That's like you, Who Charles, when we do our quizzes. All right. There's no need. That's not fair, is it? Just because you're the king of the quiz, Neil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which um, which of the three players is that? You do that um, I do it with Scott Cuthbert, the captain, Ben Nugent, yeah. and Paul Farmer, the goalkeeper. Nice. You're always on top. I've won two out of five so I got beat in a tiebreaker last week I weren't happy with it <laughs> he managed to get within one of the question was how many friends episodes has there ever been and he got within one on his guess and I'm thinking that's a Google if I've ever seen it <laughs> yeah. that's a cheat <laughs> to, get, to get within one yeah that's that's got to be a guess uh, not a guess that's got to be a factual like, I've looked that up hasn't it yeah. let's be fair although I do I had a, a, a on online one of these zoom quizzes the other week and one of the questions was friends started in 1994 when was the very last episode and all of us bar i think there was like 10 of us on the call all of us bar one put 2004 so it was a 10-year thing and that was the right answer and the other person argued to the hilt that it was the day before because they're always on repeat yeah every time you turn your telly on friends is on i watched a couple yesterday <laughs> Is that what you like doing in your downtime then, in, your, in this lockdown period? You've just been sat there watching Friends? <laughs> I've watched all 236 episodes of Friends four <laughs> times. <laughs> so you, you said you've not been playing much this season. So what's been, what's been that injury? Yeah, straight from the beginning of the season when I went back, I was struggling with my groins. And then I ended up having to have an operation on one side, came back, trained once, and the other side played up and I had an operation on the other side. So by the time the virus kicked in and we were all on lockdown. I was fit for the first time. <laughs> Is this Brilliant God's trying to tell you something? Yeah. <laughs> it's just my luck this year, that. The only time I get fit is the world's in lockdown. <laughs> so what's it been like? Because you've been at Stevenage, this is your second spell. Yeah, so it's my fifth season altogether, I think, over two spells. Which is, So it's been, it's been tough this year because you don't like seeing a team that's so close to your heart, struggling as much as we have done, and especially when I haven't been able to play, it's been hard to watch from the sides. Yeah, I bet. To be fair, it's it, you go from playing week in, week out, wherever that might be, and then you get an injury like that, you're going to be 
frustrated, aren't you? So have you basically been spending more time at home than you have at football at Stevenage this year? I've, st- I've still been down at Stevenage for most of the time because I've, I've still been around the dressing room. I'm quite like experienced now, so I've, I've got that experience around the dressing room just to help the younger lads, especially when they're maybe struggling with a bit of confidence or whatever because results haven't been going our way. So I think it was important for me to still be around it even though I was injured. So what's been, from your opinion, what's gone kind of wrong this season at Stevenage? I, I, you've had goodness knows how many managers, but there, there must be something that you can sort of say, you're not playing, so it's not like we can blame you. <laughs> so. We've just had no continuity, really. We've, we, stopped, we didn't start great, and then we changed managers quite early. And then once that manager comes in to implement his plans, results never, have never really picked up all season, and it's just... It's been tough to get anything going and we've had a lot of turnover of players and start of the season we had so many injuries. So it was we haven't really got going at all and once you start once you don't start the season well it's so hard to pick yourself back up and get on a decent run. Out of those so which managers have you had this season? I know it, it, it's Revs is in charge now, isn't he? Yeah. So we had uh, Dino Mamria started the season, Mark Sampson took over for a bit, Graham Wesley came back for a little bit. And then Revs is, Revs probably had, I think he had one or two games at the end. And I, I'm a massive fan of Revs. I always have been since I was at Northampton with him. And then I played with him last year as well. And I think Revs would have been able to turn it around, but he just didn't have the chance, obviously, because the season ended. So hopefully we, we do get to stay in the league and you get, you get to crack at it next year. So out of those managers then, which one's been your favourite? <laughs> I've... I've I've played for I played for Graham probably about five or six years, and I've had probably most of my success under under Graham throughout my career. We had two two promotions when I was first with him, but it just didn't work for him this time. And all all four, all four managers have their pros and cons, and it's just not worked out for one reason or another for any of them this year. Graham Wesley gets quite a bit of stick, doesn't he, from outside? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go from from us um, this podcast. But, you know, from, from outside, if he's not manager of your club, then every other club's got an opinion on it, of him. Do, do you think any of that's fair? I think he, he used to enjoy that, especially in the times when that Stevenage team was doing really well. He loved the fact that people hated us. And he, he sort of played on it a bit, and the rest of the lads played on it a bit. Like, we was going into games, doing little things like a, half an hour in, someone going down injured, <laughs> drinks breaks, and he just used to wind teams up and... That's all we we just enjoyed doing it because then by the time the game kicked off, they weren't really focusing on the game. They were more bothered about a drinks break or whatever. And we had so much success over them. Two or three, we made, we went promotion from the conference, promotion from League Two, and then League One playoffs. And you don't get that being a bad manager, I don't think. No, I, I think that's that, that's fair enough to say. I mean, it, to be honest, it sounds like he's maybe quite a fun guy to work for. Would that be fair? I wouldn't go as far as saying fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, the, the sessions that we used to do were so difficult. They were, we were in each other's pockets nine to five most days. So the lads just, it was sort of, we all united together and like a siege mentality sort of thing. And that's what got us through it. But he, he got success and he got it through his ways. Yeah, I, I seem to remember it was there. Uh, it was either a football focus or something like that, a little thing on, on how Graham <laughs> sort of did. And was it double training sessions or something? Something that was unusual in the world of football. 
Yeah, in we, terms used to, of training. we used to get getting early, and sometimes I wasn't getting home till seven, half seven, and that was when I was living in Stevenage. So it was like having a proper job, is that what you mean? <laughs> it was actually like having a proper job, <laughs> like being a proper human. <laughs> I'm Ricky Holmes, and it's all cobblers to me. So let, let's go then to you know Northampton and the obvious success that you've had there. Let's be fair, the only reason you're on here is because you've got a League Two winners medal. Well done. Uh, <laughs> but how does that? Yeah, you know, how do you look back on that as a, as a period of time in your career? Is that is it the best time you've ever had? I look at that one season, the one that the season we won the league was the best, my best one season in all my career by by a long way. It was just. It was just everything about it, the way we did it, the the lads that I shared it with, all the staff, the fans, and it was just, it was an unbelievable season. I don't think anything's come that close to it in one specific season. Yeah, so because you you signed, is it a year, two years before that season? I signed at the end of the window the year before, so yeah. I'd I'd done one more or less one season before that league win. And. And how was that coming into that? Because you, you come into it, Wilder's actually the guy that's, that signed you, obviously. Did you know much about him before you signed? I remember I was at Preston and I went to see the manager and the manager said to me, look, Plymouth are in for you. Do you want to go on loan? And I was thinking, Plymouth is Plymouth's like France. <laughs> so I've, <laughs> I've said, I, said, I said, I'll think about it. So as I got in my car, I've got a phone call off my agent. He said, do you fancy Northampton, Chris Wilder? And I was like, yeah. Do it. Get it was there. it anything better than Plymouth? Than <laughs> yeah. <that far> away? yeah. <laughs> it was either sit and not play at Preston, go to a different country more or less, or Northampton. And then when I've walked in on the first day, I've seen Chris and Alan at the, in the dressing room and they were just like, we've tried to sign you four or five times now, but you keep signing for Graham. <laughs> so they finally, they finally got me to sign fourth or fifth time of asking, which I didn't know anything about. I'd have probably signed for him sooner if I'd have known. <laughs> I mean, it did obviously since he won League Two with us, he's, he's, his career's just gone, you know, sky high, hasn't it? And where he finds himself in the Premier League now. I mean, was there? Did you ever have an inkling that that he'd go this far? To get to the Premier League this fast, maybe not. But I just knew he was destined for greater things. He was like, as a, as a coaching staff. Chris, Alan and Matt really brought in the year we won the league. They just complemented each other so well and they were just miles ahead of the game in terms of League 2 football. So obviously when they went to Sheffield United in League 1, they were still miles ahead of the game and they just they just continued that and I, they couldn't even get in Europe this year. Yeah, that's, that's the crazy thing. I mean, we look at that league table, watch Match of the Day and you, you kind of just, you're rooting for them even though what was it, 10 years ago when there was that whole thing and it was the, the whole thing with Sheffield United getting relegated instead of West Ham or, and stuff. And you didn't really, I don't know, they didn't enamour themselves, I don't think, to the public too much. Obviously, West Ham didn't at all um, with the way that they were. But Sheffield United have kind of become everybody's second team now. Yeah, for the last five years, I've been a Sheffield United supporter, I think. <laughs> as soon as you let... When there's, there's like football league, I don't, if it's on the telly, I'm not really that interested in watching them. But if it's Sheffield United playing, I'll watch it every single time because they entertain and you you can watch them doing things on the pitch where you think, yeah, that's they used to do that at Northampton but in a different way sort of thing. And you yeah, just that, you can like understand it. Yeah, that's what I think both 
Ricky, when Ricky was on a couple of weeks back and we spoke to Nicky Adams, we did a, a Zoom Q&A with him and uh, our patron supporters. And, and both of them said about how essentially it looks to them as if they're just doing a little bit more complicated stuff with Sheffield United. It's the same stuff, but just there's a little bit more complexity to it. Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to get people in League 2 to do what they're doing now. It's exactly what Nicky Adams said. <laughs> well, try, you, try, you try and tell Nicky things like that. You don't understand English at best of times. <laughs> That's what we wanted. That's what we wanted to hear. There we go. <laughs> First dig in. <laughs> so when, you've, when you arrive at, at Sixfields then, Joel, what was the kind of atmosphere around the place? Were, were you expecting, you know, obviously the season before we'd actually, you know, there was that great escape almost. Um, that Chris Wilder oversaw and then that season that you signed was a season of kind of consolidation and just taking one more step upwards from where we'd been the year before. Um, w- was there an element around or a feeling around the place that the squad could go on and do bigger and better? I think when I first signed it was definitely a sign of like there was a trans- sign of transition around the place. There was a lot of lads who had been there before Chris had been there I think like you can't you can't just get rid of a full squad over one summer. I think it was a case of if I get a couple in now before this window, get a few more in January, get a few more next summer, and then it's his team. And that's the way. Well, that's the way it went in the end because the signings he ended up making in January and in the summer were unbelievable signings for the level, and we went from strength to strength. Rob what Page you... managed, sorry, Charles. Rob Page managed to get rid of a whole squad in the summer, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> For which he'll never be forgiven. <laughs> to, to be fair, though, I mean, Neil, Neil is right. Is that, you know, obviously there are two ways of going about, you know, putting your stamp on a football team. And one of them is the way that Chris did it, where he spent three, uh, three windows getting in a few players at each time and letting a few leave uh, go the other way. Or there's the, the opposite, which is what, basically Rob Page did and, and just say goodbye to 75% of the squad and bring in players that ultimately weren't as good as the ones that were let go. And then said- get the Wales job. <laughs> you all said like that, what? not me. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. Are you, do, do you still speak to Chris? Does he still, um, like, every now and again, say hello? He gets a message every year when he wins promotion. <laughs> still speak. still speak to... Uh, Mark the coach a bit now and again, but it's, it's good to keep in touch with him because they had an important role to play in my career, really. Yeah, I think I think that's. I don't, I don't know if it was me, I kind of think. Is it, does he even remember who I am? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm a bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, judging by how much alcohol was supposedly consumed in that season, I'm surprised any of you remember who any of you were. <laughs> frankly, there was a lot consumed. Because I, 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 I was say I was thinking earlier when I first signed, I got to we had a bit of a we had a horror run up until Christmas the first season I was there, and there was talk of obviously Chris might be like getting a sack or whatever. And I can remember before the Tramier game at Christmas, I had a phone call from my agent. He was saying, um, you're going to go back to Preston. They're taking Stuart Murdoch instead on loan. Well, he was already there on loan. They were going to make it permanent, I think. So then we went to Tramier away and we had the team meal at night. And then after the thing, he said, everyone in the bar at seven o'clock. So we thought, right, team meeting. And he said, look, if you don't have a drink now, you're not available to play tomorrow. <laughs> 
So he got everyone in the squad a beer. I must have had, I thought I was leaving, so I probably had four or five beers on a Friday night, which I'd never done. <laughs> and then I had probably my best game for Northampton the day after. And then he phoned me on Sunday morning. He was like, no, we're going to send Stuart Murdoch back. We're going to sign you. So I could, I could have been back at Preston if I weren't half caught night before Chandler. Brilliant. <laughs> was Murdoch on the orange juice, was he? Or? He, yeah, he mustn't have had enough drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does does sound like something in your head? You sort of thinking, what's Chris Wilder like? Yeah, he probably would just sign players based on how many beers that they'll have. Sean would be fine. <laughs> I think he he tried everything to try and get a win. He tried being nice with us. He tried being angry with us, and he was just like, "Well, what, let's just try this. See if this works." We ended up getting beat anyway, but it worked for me. <laughs> I think that's the thing, though, isn't it? I mean, sometimes if you're you you can have a good game, but if you know the team lose, then that's forgotten about. I mean, how does that, as a player, how would that feel for you, going back in the changing room afterwards? You, you said that's the best game that you'd had for Northampton up to that point. So on a personal note, you must have felt quite happy. But the you other sort, side of it, you sort of do, but then you don't because you've got to beat as a team, and I think that's. That's always the main thing when you play football. If you, you, it's like if you have a stinker and you're rubbish, and but you win one nil, it's like that's forgotten, and you're still going out, going home at night, seeing your family going out that night, and you, you have a time of your life. And by Sunday morning, you've forgot that you've been rubbish. Thanks to Patreon supporter Luke Hodgkin. So when when you joined Northampton, then Joel, what what were your thoughts on on the other the, the other players that were there? Was there anyone that stood out for you when you joined? Well, obviously, you could see. Ivan had unbelievable quality. Oh, we don't we don't talk about him on this. Why is he banned? Not not now he's yeah, not now he's a posh player. We're not <laughs> having that. <laughs> but then there was people like Lee Collins, Mark Richards, just good lads, good pros who Rico was unbelievable at this level for 10, 15 years and like you could you could not see him all game, but you know if he gets a chance he's scoring, he puts it away every single time. I think that's it, because I remember him when he was at Port Vale. So that was in between his two spells at, at the Cobras. He he always used to score against us away. So at Vale Park, we always, whenever I used to go to that, you guarantee that Rico would score. It was horrible in a way. <laughs> but I suppose it's just the way that things happen, isn't it? You're, the players that, you know, it, it's one of those, isn't it? Because you kind of think to yourself, well, we play Stevenage if you were playing in the team, obviously, and not injured. You'd be a little bit like, oh, yeah, Joel will probably score just because of the fact that you're an ex-player for us. It is a strange one because it does happen a lot, doesn't it? It's, people score against their ex-clubs all the time and it's someone like you might not score for a full season, they get the one goal against someone they played for. Is that because you think you, you get a bit more up for that game because it's your former club? Yeah, you always want to do well against your ex-clubs. Is that, is that regardless of who it is, even if you've like... Had a really good time there. Basically, what I'm saying is next time you play us, just have a stinker. Is that all right? <laughs> I've done that every other time. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, that season then that, that we win the league, we've heard from Ricky about flip-flop Thursdays and stuff. I mean, have you had that anywhere else? No, never. I can just remember that first Thursday. We all sat on the... We, we trained at the ground. So we all sat on the pitch. And we were just stretching after the session and Chris walked over to the side and just walked over with two buckets full of ice and beers. We just all sat on the pitch like, just enjoy yourselves. Have a couple of beers, lads, and then get yourself home. But then with the squad we had, a couple of beers with three or four, 
and then it was down to the pub and then people were talking about staying out and it was like we've got a game in 48 hours we need to, <laughs> we need to probably win this league <laughs> did you did you ever think or you know did you ever worry about not winning the league in those last sort of maybe four to six weeks no I think the confidence was just so high in the boys it was as, as I heard Ricky's and he said like for the probably the last six weeks I think lads were out Saturday and Sunday every single weekend and it was just because we were on such a good run and the confidence was so high and we just thought we just felt unbeatable and it we, we didn't get the probably the results that we wanted towards the end of the season with quite a few draws but we were just going in thinking we're unstoppable and that was that was the case most of the time and, and did you feel a bit like because I don't want to don't want to have a go at you or, or be rude or anything like that but when you've got players like Ricky Holmes in the side uh, Nicky Adams the, 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 the attackers they take the credit for a lot of the you know the, the, the positives that, that come out of it that's not to diminish, diminish the part that you played or, or anybody else played but did you ever kind of actually just go what, what? could someone not just have a look at me for once and just say <laughs> oh, I've had a really good game Somebody actually texted me the other day. He'd been watching like videos of you know the best teams in League Two over the last few years, and he just texted me and said, "Give me three things that you used to get. Well, you your job to go on a Saturday playing for Northampton." And I was like, "The first one was look after John Joe because after John Joe told day, it was a case of if you can keep John Joe from punching people, he's a good player." <laughs> I can remember Chris and Alan most like Saturdays before I went it was like just look after John Joe make sure you don't do anything stupid and the next thing was just get the ball to people who are going to win your games like Nicky, Ricky, Alfie Potter, Lawson and then that was my job sit in the middle of the pitch and just get the ball to the better players and let them do what they do And Are you happy with that? Oh, oh, more than happy with that. Yeah, I got a, I got a winner's medal. <laughs> yeah, fair point. I might, not, I might not get as much money as him, but I get the winner's medal. <laughs> that, that, role, that role you do is... Not everyone can do that, can they? Like, it, it, like it does get... It, 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 like, and again, not, not meaning to sound like Charles, we, we generally... <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt like you were attacking him a little bit, which is unfair. <laughs> uh, but so... At my very, very amateur level of football, I used to do similar, like sit around in the middle of the park, up and down a little bit and give it to the better players. That's all I could do. Uh, because it was be- better players than me, but it's hard to do and, and not a lot of people can do it. And, and the people in professional clubs, like, we always have someone in that role. And whenever we've got someone good in that role, like you were you were fantastic in that season and the season before. Um, and do you remember when we had Paul Trollope, guys? He, he, was, he was the same sort of role, right? And it's a really difficult role to do. And, and it always that role always splits the fan base. There's always you know fifty percent of the fans that can understand and see what that player is bringing to the team and what they're mm. doing. There's fifty percent of the fans that think we don't do anything; he just passes it sideways. Does that does that frustrate you? Yeah, I've had to live that. I've lived with that everywhere I've been. To be honest, I I know the thing I take cred, like a bit of pride in is the fact that a lot of my teammates rate me when I play with them. So like from the sides, it might not look pretty mm. or whatever, but those people who are scoring goals and setting goals up, they sort of appreciate what I do because I just try and get them the ball as soon as I can. If I can get them the ball, if they've got in some space, they're going to do things that are going to create goals and win us games. And that's been my job for, for as long as I can remember anyway. So you sat there thinking that like, all oh, the highlights cut off just after you've passed the ball. 
Yeah, I'm the assist to the assist. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll wind that back a minute. Sit next to my wife and say, one minute, I'd, 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 I'd pass that one just before telly. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is with that role, though, it's so, it's so important because I, you, ne- you don't necessarily have a team that's able to perform like they did consistently for however many games it was that we went unbeaten. And that wouldn't have worked without those little cogs in that squad you have to have that squad needed to be that whole squad otherwise I don't think it would have worked it certainly wouldn't have worked if effectively so it's so it's so important and I think as fans looking back at the season we recognize players like you because without that all of that work going into that attack there was nothing there was no build-up and the build-up play is what won us the league effectively because yeah. every player played a part didn't they yeah, I think everyone played a massive role that season, whether it was through the defence. You've got to remember that Adam Smith had an unbelievable season in behind everyone. He probably got us 10 points before Christmas, before Ricky turned up and stole the show. Yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, though, I mean, I remember at the start of that season, because we'd signed both Adam Smith and, and uh, Ryan Clark as well, and everybody, fan base-wide, expected Clark to be the number one, simply, so, I think, because of age. I think I think most of the boys thought that as well when he came in because he was sort of a marquee signing. I played with Clark here at Northwich years before, and he's a fantastic goalkeeper. But Smudge just came in and he was unbelievable. Like some of the performances he put in, the the Orient game at home is one of the best goalkeeping displays I've ever seen. I think I don't think anything can beat that. And he got beat with a free kick in the top corner in the ninety fifth minute just to ruin his day. <laughs> Did he get ribbon for that as well? I, t- I don't think he could speak after the game with that tight. He's never had that much to do in his life. <laughs> <laughs> I, finished, he, uh, I finished at left back that day. <laughs> did he? Uh, did he get much ribbon for that for that video that did the rounds? <laughs> I can remember. I can remember when he signed, and I was at the airport with my wife, and someone said, "Oh, you've signed the guy from the video," and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> Brilliant. What he's um, he's nothing like what you'd expect him to be. He's just a quiet lad. Comes in, gets a, gets does his work, goes home, hardly speaks to anyone. But yeah, he, he was unbelievable that year. Yeah, I think that's it. Because, like I said, we were quite surprised that Clark didn't start in goal. But then to kind of have somebody of that, I suppose, stature as a keeper and and where he was in his career, that must have been like having almost a second goalkeeping coach. Yeah, Smudge always knew that if he had a couple of bad games, he was going to be out because Clarkie was always right on his case, especially in training. Some you'd look at Clarkie some weeks in training and you would think, how's this? How's this keeping up playing? But then Smudge was turning it on every Saturday, and you just couldn't you couldn't change it. So, and he had the backing of both keepers had the they had so much confidence behind them in the, the staff that they could just go out and just do the job and not even worry about anything else. You mentioned before about John Joe O'Toole Day, and obviously that 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 obviously did have some kind of impact on on the whole squad, because if if you're being told you've got to look after him on every game after that, uh, do you think it was? Did it did it just affect him too much that the fans had just decided to give him a a whole game to celebrate him? I don't know. For the first season, I honestly thought John Joe's cousin had turned up. <laughs> But then the season after, when he was when he was fit and confident, he was he was so good for us in the season we won the league, and obviously in seasons after that for for Northampton. But 
uh, that that day at Mansfield, it was like it was comical because all the fans had turned up in the wigs. Everyone was singing his name, and then he went and punched the lad in the box <laughs> as far away from the tunnel as you can be. The Mansfield, it's right in the other corner, and he had to walk so far to get off the pitch. It almost it feels like looking back on it, he did it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> John, yeah. Probably did knowing John John where his head works. He just... was, it, was there part of you that was just like laughing inside, even though you're on the pitch with ten men? Was there part of you just like finding it really hilarious on the pitch? That's happened. Uh, there's probably a few chats going on thinking, what has he just done? Why would he do that? But then you're thinking, yeah, yeah probably that's something John John do. Yeah. <laughs> do. Do you know why he did it? Not a clue. I think uh, think he I think he got punched first, so he said. Right. I think someone would have to someone would have to wind him up for him to get angry. But when he gets angry, I won't want to be anywhere near him. I don't so think any strong. of us would either. <laughs> no, yeah. So strong. To be fair, I, I was he, he always comes across, and don't don't get me wrong, I've never met him, but he always comes across across as quite a laid back character, and, and obviously he's the odd one out, I suppose, in 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 the changing room because he's. You know, seems to like a completely different taste of music, and uh, you know, got Nicky ribbed him quite a lot for his clothing, um, which obviously you agree with, judging by the way that you've just laughed there. But <laughs> he's a different character, John Joe, but the lads loved him because he used to come in, he didn't care what he wore. He had, I think, he had an Adidas tracksuit reversible, it was red on one side and leopard print on the other. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly we'd set off we'd go out training every day and either Crazy or Nicky would stay in last in the dressing room put all John Joe's clothes on and just run out after everyone <laughs> they want to be running on the pitch doing the warm-up in the training kit and then someone would run out in John Joe's clothes Brilliant. every single most days wasn't it a coat that Nicky was talking about um, he came out a long long coat oh, long court. Yeah. yeah yeah. I think yeah him, him and Crazy were brilliant for it the Crazy's another unbelievable character. He was like he signed similar time to me, and what a guy to have around. I can remember one day he came in, and like when you bring cakes in for your birthday, it was Crazy's birthday, and he bought himself a caterpillar cake. Oh, and he was yes. so excited, and he was like, "Right before training, he was going, no one touch that. I'm having it as soon as I get in." And so I went up to Nick and I was like, "Right, Nick, let's just sort Crazy out here." So Nick went to the toilet, replaced the caterpillar cake with his own version of a caterpillar. <laughs> And then just left the box on the top for until after training. <laughs> so when Crazy came in after training, he was straight up, opened his box, and he just stunk. <laughs> <laughs> we know what the title of this pod's going to be. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, to be fair, we do. Do you know though? That's. I mean, I've heard. I've heard of the caterpillar cake story. But to, but to now know exactly and, and to be proved right that I was right to think what it was as yeah. well is uh, it was yeah. right brilliant do you know yeah. though the thing the thing is is that looking from like none of us have been professional footballers as you can tell looking at us all but it, it, if I did that in my workplace oh you're getting sacked yeah a million percent <laughs> so what what is it what's the difference is it just because it's that oh it's just lads and you're all young and I think so, yeah. I think anything, especially in that dressing room, we had loads of lads around the same age who'd been brought up in the same era who just literally took the piss out of each other every single minute of every single day. And everyone could take it, so it was brilliant to have around you. Like, no matter what, there was always someone cracking a joke somewhere. Like, you had people like Jason Taylor, Ormsy, Brendan Maloney, Nicky, JJ, Crazy, they were all, like, 
everyone was just on the on the banter every single day. It was brilliant to be around. Did um was there like any sort of little groups you often hear sort of like in a changing room? It's not cliques as such, but you're all in obviously little groups and stuff. It sounds like that season was much more of a of a one squad, one team kind of feel to it. Yeah, you, you play for teams and you arrange a night out and you get eight or nine lads turn up. You arrange a night out for us over two days and you get 20. Yeah. And maybe 10 might go up for the Sunday, but you're still getting most of the squad for most of the weekend. I'm Chris Freestone and it's all cobblers to me. So how's things been in terms since you've since you've left? That squad obviously seemed like it was so together. Are you guys all still mates? Do you all still like, you know, we're in lockdown now, obviously you can't go and see each other, but are you like doing this, having Zoom calls with each other and getting think, the guys together and just having a beer? I think Ricky mentioned, didn't he, that we still have a group chat and there's most of the lads are still on there and that's that's always going. I speak to J-Ball quite a bit still, Jason Taylor. I speak to Nicky most weeks. Me and Ricky have a strange relationship. We go on holiday together every year, but we literally... We leave, say we go on holiday, we get back, we don't speak until we're booking the holiday. So I'll text him saying, look, going to be for again. He'll say, like, how much money do I need to send? Send it to me. <laughs> don't speak to him until I see him in Ibiza because we fly from different airports. And then we'll have four or five days with each other where we're best mates and then we don't speak again. But, it's, <laughs> but that's just the way we are. <laughs> to be fair though, I've got a mate like that. I don't speak to him for months. You see him and... Yeah, it's like you've... It's like you've never been aware. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah you know, it's it's not that odd, I don't think, that that, that happens. Maybe it's a bit odd that you have to go to Ibiza to actually meet him, <laughs> but <laughs> the, the rest of it's pretty normal, I think, to be fair. Um, one of the games that you played in, actually, was against one of your former clubs, talking about that before. You played in that, that FA Cup victory over Northwich Victoria, obviously a club that you had played for. Yeah. And we were 2-0 down. And, I mean, what was that game like to play in? Was that the game when the fire was... A, yeah. 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 See, we'd, we'd been on a Christmas do the week before in Dublin. Oh, so is so, that your excuse, is it? So right, we, okay. Yeah, so we, I can only imagine. We'd been Saturday and Sunday, and I think, I think me and Ricky went all the way through Sunday and then went straight to the airport for about five o'clock Monday morning to get the flight. And I could feel it against Northwich. I don't know where we won that game. We got battered. It was windy. No one had any energy. It could have been four or five before we'd even scored. And that was just the, I think that's sort of the character of the team that we had though. Just never, ever, never say die. Scored three in about five minutes. And I felt a bit for Northwich in the end because they didn't deserve to get beat. They battered us. Sean said that. Sean, my my dad's been a Cobblers fan for 60 years. And he said that's the one and only time he's felt sorry for away fans. Yeah, it was it was it was horrible for them because they went two 0 up and it was like right they're going through coasting. They were actually just in cruise control against us and then yeah. bang three goals because obviously they're a part time team so they just got tired and once we got one you could just see it. We were just the go- the goals were just coming. You could you could feel it. It helped having Ricky Holmes in the side, I bet as well. <laughs> see, that was I think he came off the bench, didn't he that day? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Everyone talks about Ricky. He only played for about two months. <laughs> <laughs> you sure Sam Hoskins scored a wonder goal that day as well? Yeah. Of course he did, Danny. Of course he did. <laughs> I'm Chris I'm, Wilder. And it's all cobblers to me. Am I right in saying Preston was the, the, the highest league place club that you've played for? Yeah. 
I had, I had two years at Preston where I had probably the worst two years of my career there as well, which it was like when I signed for Preston, it was like I'm going somewhere near home for the first time, got a chance to set up some roots up here, get myself sorted. And then I just, I was awful. And the fans let me know that I was awful. And I was quite happy when I, when I left in the end. Okay. And I think they were happy that I left in the end. What, what do you put that down to? Is that just you not fitting in at the place? I don't know. I think a bit of everything. Confidence was low at the time. Team wasn't really getting results. I went there under Graham Wesley and the fans weren't having him from minute one. So I looked like sort of one of his boys by him signing me from Stevenage. So I was never, I started on the back foot sort of thing. I think we, he signed three or four of us from Stevenage and we're all sort of on the back foot from minute one. None of us really had an unbelievable time there. One, one lad did all right and three of us really struggled. But it was just, we were fighting a losing battle as soon as we went in there, to be honest. Did you kind of almost feel like you were an imposter in that case then? Like, Graham brings you with him from Stevenage, essentially. Do you, do you ask yourself that question and go, I shouldn't really be here, this feels wrong? Maybe, Yeah, maybe looking back at it a little bit, it's like to go from playing in the conference with Stevenage to get up to League One and then sign for a massive club like Preston, I couldn't believe it at the time. And maybe that I was a little bit in awe of the club when I, when I went there, which maybe didn't make me feel, didn't make me play as well as I could, maybe because I was a little bit wondering whether I should have been there or not. A lot of things really, but it just didn't really work out for me. So basically complete opposite to the time at Northampton then? Yeah, com- complete, total opposite. I I probably came to Northampton at a time where I was really low on confidence and then playing for Chris and Alan, they just filled me with confidence within two weeks and I, I, was, I, felt, I felt on top of the world then. And then that, champ, that season we won the league, it was every single game I was going out there thinking that no one can beat us. And it was, it was an unbelievable feeling. We had, if you look at that squad now, going back to it, the players that was in that squad, the attacking players we had, the, it's, you, no wonder we won the league. You look at like John Marquis, James, Colin, Mark Richards. Imagine having them three forwards in any sort of League Two squad now. Yeah. League One. Yeah. In League One, they tear them apart. That's why I think when when it did get broke up at the end of that season, it was just, it was, I felt like I was gutted. I went away that summer. We had the open top bus and I knew that the gaffer was leaving and that was just the start of it. It was horrible. It was, I was gutted. So let's talk about that then and get, get it out of the way. In, in your, I mean, it's, it sounds to, to me like, you know, you, you knew quite early on that Chris was leaving and, and going to Sheffield United. And none of us obviously blame him for going to sign for Sheffield United. I think things would have been different if he'd have taken the Charlton job. But the fact that he went to his boyhood club, it was obviously just, everyone just sort of says, oh, it's fine. And then look at the success he's had. Yeah. There was rumours on the open top bus that on the sun, I think it was a Sunday, the Monday, that he was going to Charlton. And then obviously, Sheffield United came in. You, you're not going to turn down your hometown club, especially a club like Sheffield United. And I, I wasn't surprised that he changed his mind and just went up there as soon as he could. I mean, did that, when you when you knew he was going, did that then make you worry that the team was going to get broken up? Or actually, were you just sort of thinking, okay, yeah, we've lost the manager, but as long as we keep the players together? You sort of think that, but then you sort of... 
as as you get older, you realise that every manager wants their own players. And then by the end of me and Ricky went on our annual Ibiza trip, and then I remember being in a nightclub towards the end, and he just came up to me and went, "I'm going home." I was like, "What are you doing? Going home? It's only early." He was like, "No, I'm going home, home. I'm going to Charlton. I'm signing for Charlton." And then so he left that night from the club, went straight to Charlton. And as I got to the airport the day after leaving, Nicky phoned me and he was like, I'm gone. So within a week, I just had the best week of my life with mates to come back to two of my best mates just leaving, having the manager going. A week after winning the league and you're just like, nah, I'm not having this. Wait, were you saying you're not having it? What did you do about it? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what was it? I mean, I know you say every manager's got their own ideas and, and, and has their own players in mind that they want to do. But I mean, surely, and this is the thing that actually I don't think the fans can understand and, and maybe you can't shed any light either on it, but how can you go from coming into a, into a club with a team of players who have just absolutely waltzed their way to a championship title and then say, I don't want these players? It was a strange one because straight away, like the loan signings, Chris made five unbelievable loan signings in January and they helped us get over the line just by adding competition. When they came in, they did so well for us. And within the first week of us winning the league, all five were getting either offered small deals or just telling them that they were going back to the clubs or being released or whatever. And then... That's the that's when you started to sense that things weren't really going to be what they what they were like. So obviously we'd lost all our lone players. We'd lost Nicky and Ricky within two weeks. We'd lost the gaffer, and then you you're starting to panic coming back because you're like, well, what's he going to do with me then? Because I'm obviously not one of the main guys from the team that won the league. So what where am I going to stand in this next season? And and what happened when he when you did go back? Did did he have individual meetings with you all and sort of tell you what his plans were for you? No, not really. We just, I'd, I'd struggled at the end of the last last season with a back, back injury. So I'm, I, well, the gaffer told me to just sit on the bench for the last four or five games just to be around it. But I couldn't have come on if, he, if I tried. So I struggled through the summer and then by the time I got back for pre-season, I was still struggling a little bit. But the physio hadn't mentioned to the manage, new manager that I was struggling. So I've had to go straight back into training Without having, to, without having done any sort of fitness over the summer. So I was like miles behind everyone every, anyway without him even knowing. So I didn't probably put myself in a good light early on. So he probably looked at me and thought, who's this guy won League Two? Can't move. One of the questions I think we got on Twitter was about the game at, at Posh, where yeah. it felt like you were thrown into the team. You'd not played <laughs> for... However long it had been. It wasn't even a sink or swim moment. It was just a sink or sink. <laughs> Ridiculous. I think when it, I turned up on the Monday and we had a few injuries and like lads were coming up to me going, I think you're playing. Whereas throughout that season, I'd been spending my Saturdays riding around a lake on a bike. Not even he told, he told me I could leave two days before the window shut. Whereas like, I didn't have anything in line or anything because I was hoping to play for Northampton. But, so I had two days where I was like, what do I do? And then I spent most of that first half of the season not involved in the squad. And then all of a sudden, playing away at Peterborough in a different formation, and I was playing. 
I mean, what a way to, to throw you into the lion's den as such, because, I mean, you couldn't have been really a worse game to, to be thrown into, could it? Oh, I was desperate to play, but at the same time, I was thinking, if this goes wrong, it's going to go really wrong. And it went really wrong. Mm. A few times I played at Peterborough and got brought off at half-time. Struggled coming out for the second half at Peterborough. Is that because yeah. it's a shithole? I was just yeah, about to say that. I'll say that. I'll say that. <laughs> Nothing to my performances. It's a shithole. It is. It is. <laughs> I mean, what did the what did the rest of the team think that day? Because obviously it was just like, was he just basically trying something different? You talked about how Chris had, had obviously thrown everything at it to try something different, and that that time before the Tranmere game where he basically you all with alcohol was this just Rob Page's version of, of doing that I think I think he had a lot of injuries in midfield and he didn't have much left and I, f- I think he had a lot of people saying that I've been doing well in training a lot of people in his ear saying give him a chance so he just gave me my chance that night when it was probably the worst possible night to go into but I I don't know it, it could have gone well it, but it was just one of them nights where nothing went right I've, he obviously that that was my chance. You, managers say they give everyone a chance, and that was mine, which came in maybe October or whatever. But I didn't take it, and I was on my way in a couple of months. It basically, played you in midfield on your own, though. Didn't <laughs> like, stand any chance. That was it. There was, Ridiculous. <laughs> there's my chance. Yeah. Don't play midfield against Peter on your own. Did, did he? I know it's a kind of cliche phrase, but had he or did he lose the dressing room at that point? As such, no, I don't think so. I don't think when I was there, I don't think he'd ever lost the dressing room. I thought he's, he's a good guy, he's Rob Page. I've like I've got a lot, a lot of time for him. He was always good with me. He just didn't obviously break me as a footballer. But he was when I left, he was fine. He was said good luck or whatever, and then that's it. In football, you just got you just go your separate ways. Do you, do you not think that that is strange though? That you you've just been in a team that has won, won the league and got 99 points and then somebody doesn't rate you does, does that not gripe and really annoy you I don't I think I'm a sort of an acquired taste of footballer there's not many managers that do rate me I don't think but the ones that do normally take me to numerous places like and if they'll try and sign me at numerous places because they understand what I do sort of thing but some managers don't and I get that as well because everyone's got opinions and that's football for you is that you basically putting the call out to Chris Wilder there and saying, come and get me? I, could, I can do a job for Chris Wilder, I think. Be a fo- might not be a footballer, but I could do a job for him. Water boy or something. Yeah. yeah. I'm good at Alcohol. <laughs> Social secretary at Sheffield United. Alongside Ricky and Nicky. We'd, make, we'd have some good parties, I'll tell you that. Sheffield United win the league. Talking of, uh, talking of parties, uh, what, what did really happen in Marbella? Why does everyone say this? <laughs> Nick, what, <laughs> Nicky started by letting us know. Look, I know it was Ricky, weren't it? He, yeah. he was like, you've got to ask everyone about Marbella. They'll tell you some stories. I, I have got one story from Marbella and it's about me. And I think someone asked on Twitter earlier. I, I went out one night, came back to the room and I was obviously drunk. So I've just gone to bed. Woke up in the morning and I've had the, uh, my mattress on my head and I was in between the two beds on the floor. And I could just see some legs. So obviously I thought it was Nicky. And I was like, Nick, wake up. Lifted my head and it was just some random bloke. <laughs> in the bed next to me. And I started to wake him up. I was like, what are you doing? In my room. And he, was, he didn't know. 
So I just sort of got him out of the room and then sat on my bed thinking, what's going on? And then Alfie Potter and John Marcus have walked in. They were like, good night. I was like, yeah, yeah, good. And they just burst out laughing. But they'd stole my key earlier in the night, found this bloke in reception when they got in. And they were like to reception, so we know he's with us. We'll take him to and put him in the bed next to me. So I've woke up thinking, I don't know what's going on here. And they're just coming <laughs> laughing their heads off. <laughs> and that's how we signed Matt Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my bay, my bay was a bit of a blur. A lot of a blur, actually. Okay. I think, Considering I think, you didn't have to pay for it. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant. We had um, we, we I think our plane almost something like six o'clock in the morning on a Monday, so... On the Sunday, I set my alarm for like half ah, four to wake me up because I knew I'd be drunk. So I was like, this will wake me up. And it went off in the club and everyone was still out. So I said to Nick, I was like, Nicky, come on, we're just going to have to go back to the room now. And we packed everyone's case for him. We just went around the rooms packing cases, throwing clothes in everywhere. And literally lads walked straight out of the club and got straight on the minibus to the, to the airport. <laughs> oh, brilliant. That is brilliant. Has that kind of holiday happened since? Not with those guys, obviously, but at other clubs you've been at? No, nothing's been like that. My Bay was, it was a one-off. It was just a celebration of loads of lads that I got on with, loads of lads that are around the same age and we're all just like good, close mates and just having the best three days of your life and just like not, not a care in the world about what's going on anywhere else. Just having fun with your mates. To be fair, I we can all agree and, and understand that and appreciate that that's what you'd want to do is just go out and have a, the best time that you can possibly have. Yeah, it helped that all the lads were, I got on so well with all them lads and it was, we had, we had so many good days on the training field together, so many good games on a Saturday and a Tuesday where we were just winning football matches and then we had a lot of social time together where we just enjoyed each other's company and it just worked. And was there, did you have any like chaperones or anything on that trip? Was anyone kind of sent along to make sure that you didn't did go too far? Does Adam, the, send? Does, does Adam the Kitman count? <laughs> Brilliant. He, he was worse than us, I think. <laughs> Bless him. He's a club like, legend. He really is a club legend here. Then I think, yeah, he was, he's unbelievable. The way the lads took to him in that dressing room, it was like, he was like, he, he was made to be felt like one of us. So I think he loved that. Lads, we used to go out for a pint. We'd take Adam with us. We'd go to Nando's. We'd take him with us. It was just, and then we'd have to drop him off at a certain time and not let him have too many. Otherwise, his mum would shout at us. <laughs> we left that. To, Rico used to do all that. Rico used to have to pick him up and take him home. Is he the sensible one? I, don't, I wouldn't call him sensible. <laughs> he was the one who knew where he lived, I think. Uh, Rico was an unbelievable captain for us. So he'd always he'd have a good relationship with Chris. If we needed something, he'd go and see him, sort things out. And his record speaks for himself at Northampton. I think he's a club legend. And hopefully he's got a lot more to do with the club in the future because I think he still lives around that way. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's a, one of the uh, youth coaches, I think, as well. Or, you know, he gives his time when he's not. I think he's at Yeovil now, isn't he? Yeah. It'd be stupid, um, be stupid not to use his experience and knowledge somewhere in that club in the future, especially if he's on your doorstep. I mean, out, out of that whole squad that, that you played with, out of all of them, who, did, who would you think or, or would look at and go, yeah, they'll, they'll still be in football 
when they've retired from playing? You'd think probably Rick Orr. You look at Xander Diamond. He was always very vocal on the pitch. Spoke a lot of sense. You could see him being a manager, a coach. I, th- I reckon Nicky thinks that he could be a manager, but he'd be the worst manager in the world. <laughs> he can't control his own. He can't control his own kids. Never mind loads of men. <laughs> Thanks to Patreon supporter Craig West. We bumped into Keith Curley, my bear, that summer. Yeah, we've heard. I think- we've heard about that. <laughs> yeah, Nick, Nicky bumped into him probably me, quite me, closely. Me and, yeah. Nick, me and Nick were walking down the street, and I was like, because I, I was like, that's Keith Curl. He's like, <laughs> and then we end up chatting to him, and then he ended up signing him a couple of weeks later. I must have <laughs> missed that conversation. I must have wandered off. At the time, yeah. I can't remember what he had on. <laughs> Nicky told us on the Q&A last week that basically, oh, did he? yeah, he... Uh, um, he bumped into Keith twice, apparently, but one of the times he didn't have a clue he'd done it. He was that <laughs> drunk. So apparently Keith basically said, yeah, the last, did, do you not remember seeing me? You were Starkers or something. That sounds um, like Nicky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, from, from Sixfield, you went to Mansfield. What is it about players going from that, that squad to Mansfield? Lee Collins went, Xander Diamond went, you went. Paul Anderson, well, Paul Anderson was a year after one, but you went. Yeah, Alfie went. Was that the season? I think when uh, the owners really splashed the cash. Um, I think he splashed the cash about six months after I signed. Right. Is that is that why you didn't get any? Is that what you said? Yeah, you forgot to get. You forgot <laughs> to give me any. I think I think he had a. We got through that season under uh, me and Alfie signed in the January, and then we got to the summer, and I think he. I think he upped the wage bill a little bit. He signed some sort of big names in the league. He signed Zander, he signed Andor. And then he left when we were about third. We were about two months left in the season. Where I, f- I fancied us to go up, to be honest. Obviously, he didn't. And then he just, he, Steve Evans went to Peterborough. Yeah. I mean, that, that always, at the time, as a football fan, that didn't make any sense. I mean, it did in a way. I could, I could understand the fact that, you know, there he is. He's going to a club that's higher up. Um, and to be fair, Steve Evans and Peterborough seem to suit each other down to the ground, if you ask me. That's absolutely fine. But to go from a team that was looking like it was odds-on to, to get promoted and to sort of, you know, just basically throw away the, uh, the chance of getting that medal seems daft. It was a strange one. It was like he'd had a sixth sense. It was like he knew that we weren't going to win our next 12 games, which happened. But, what, what, um, why was that? I don't know. I don't really don't know. It was the same, more or less. I think he made a couple of changes. David Flickcroft when he came in, but the team was still the same. We just, I think, we went thirteen games without a win as soon as he came in. It was ridiculous. Was it, was it the lack of flip flop Thursdays? No flip flop Thursdays. How do you expect to win a league when you don't get beers out on a Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what my thought was after I'd heard that, and I went, "Oh yeah, you went, you went to Mansfield, and then you you didn't win anything, but maybe that's what it was. You just didn't oh, get stop, that. Stop drinking on the training pitch. <laughs> I might bring that back next season if I get a club anywhere. Are you, are you out of contract at the end of this season? Whenever yeah. That is? Do you so, know what's happening for you? No, I don't have a clue. I think it's a case of depending on what league we're in. I'd I'd love to stay at Stevenage. I've got like it's got a massive place in my heart. I've I've had success there and like I've grown to love all like the surroundings, all the people you meet, you know, the fans, the people in the who work at the club and it's just 
sort of a second home to me football wise. Do you ever though think that, that the reason for that is is the day that we won three two there, and that's why it's actually so special for you? <laughs> that was unbelievable, wasn't it? <laughs> I I was like sort of do I do I celebrate against an old team? But then I see the video back and I said, yeah, celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit just a little bit <laughs> in the game in the game I was going mad at Holmesy to pass to me when he scored but then I watched the video and I'm not even on the screen so I don't know what happened I must have thought I was just going to shoot from the halfway line <laughs> I remember screaming at him to pass and then he scored and then I wasn't even on the video when I looked at it Adam Smith got there before me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean the, the other goal or the goal that you are definitely a part of without actually touching the ball, is that free kick routine at Luton? See, we had that free kick. We, we had three different ways of doing it, the same free kick. So I think, I remember one time we played at home and Bar- we played Barnet at home. Yeah, I remember that. And we that. went to set it up and the guy just ran from the wall and tried to tackle Bukes. And we were like, we've not even took it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, we set, we do that every sort of week. We do the different ways of doing it. And that just worked so perfectly that day. We had so many that season. Fridays used to be unbelievable. They were nearly a go. Well, we're going to try this one, lads. And me and Nicky would just stand over the ball and be like, we may as well give it a go. Some weeks, Chris would be pulling his ear out. <laughs> Other weeks, he'd be like, just go for it, lads. You nearly always just used to say, if you've got confidence in it, it's got more chance of working. And we just Very like that, right, we'll go for it. What's worse that can happen, apart from them scoring? Speaking of the Stevenage game, what was the aftermath of that like? That was when we knew, I think. That was the game where we we looked, we looked, were 2-0 down, we looked dead and buried. We scored from two set pieces, and then Ormsley got the winner right at the death, and you just thought, yeah, this is our year. I don't really remember the dressing room after. I just remember the goal, Ormsley's goal. And it was like everyone just jumping on everyone, all the fans just in that end as well. It was so good that we scored in that end to get the winner. And then the dressing room, I can't really remember it, but I would imagine it would have been a bit of carnage. We had another question, didn't we, from, from someone on Twitter uh, asking who'd win in a fight, Joel, uh, Graham Wesley, Steve Evans or Chris Wilder? Oh, Graham Wesley would be tenacious. Steve Evans, if he gets older, I don't think I think he could he could throw you anywhere, but he's not going to be very quick. <laughs> Chris is the most athletic of the three. Be a tough one. I'd imagine Steve just sitting on both. <laughs> imagine that. Pump his way through you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like the fact that we have managed to answer Mark Josiah's question about whether you're still dating. Oh no, we haven't really answered it he wanted to know are you still dating the fellow that you woke up with in, in, uh, in Marbella <laughs> <laughs> oh he got he got shifted out thing is though I said mate you're going to have to get out and he went in the bathroom and started pouring himself a glass of water I was like what are you doing <laughs> but I, just get out <laughs> brilliant stuff uh, look Joe it's, it's been great having you on uh, it's been absolutely fantastic to meet you and talk to you and, and to reminisce a little bit over your time I hope that football does get back to some sort of normality for you and you get to actually kick a ball again, mate. Um, you know, whether it be this season or next. And, and hopefully, I mean, as much as I don't particularly like Stevenage, you know, couldn't really care less. For, for your sake, I hope you don't get relegated. Yeah, that's just gone. you. <laughs> no, it's been, it's, been, it's been brilliant just to chat about that season again and just to... The earlier, I just had a little quick thought on like stories that things that happened and there's so many that you could put on here so many you can't 
and it was just it's good to just reminisce on those times with like especially all the fans who listen into it and all you guys who who want to know those sort of stories and they can get a little bit more of an insight into that season it's it's uh, thanks for having me you're welcome thank you very much for coming on it's been brilliant yeah thanks a lot and yeah, thanks for that job. thanks for that season as well and the other one yeah, yeah. yeah. hopefully you win the playoffs yeah, fingers it's, crossed. We've, we've worked out already it's nailed on because uh, I don't think Keith Kale's ever got a promotion before. And uh, it's <laughs> typical that he'll get a promotion when no fans can be there to see it. <laughs> well, I'll be cheering you on anyway. <laughs> if you're out of contract in the summer, just go to Marbella. Keith might, might be there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just going to walk up and down the streets of Marbella for a full summer yeah. looking for Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much to Joel for coming on. That is all we've got time for this week. Uh, next week, we we may well have another player on the podcast for you to reminisce along with about some season that, that happened about four years ago. It's been brilliant talking to Joel today and uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. That's it for this week. It's All Cobblers to Me is a Vibrant Sound Media production. Keep sending us your thoughts all to the usual places. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and if you can please do sign up to support us on Patreon. All the links you need are in the show notes or visit our website, cobblerstome.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye, Ash. Love you, Joel. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.